0: Hi everyone, Jason here. On May the 14th, Stephen and myself will be appearing with the one and only Mark Lewison at the Pavilion Theatre in Dun Laoghaire, Dublin. We're going to be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night, and we would love you to join us. For tickets, go to paviliontheatre.ie or nothingisrealpod.com.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
0: Welcome to Nothing Is Real, a podcast about the Beatles. Everybody thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do we really know? My name is Jason
2: Carty. My name's Stephen Cockcroft.
0: And we are live on tape from Dublin and Belfast. This is the fourth part of our ongoing look at Alan Klein and his... Involvement in the Beatles world, in a, in a sense of Groundhog Day, we are back at May the 9th, 1969, which is known traditionally as Liberty Bell Day, or in Stephen's universe, Liberty Bell Day Part 2. Um, and in Friday, May the 9th, Paul McCartney is expected to sign a binding contract between the Beatles and Alan Klein. The previous day has seen a legal lackey travel from Beatle to Beatle to try and get them to put their signatures on a carbon copy document that uh, is... Binding for Mr. Klein. I, I don't understand this legal mumbo-jumbo, Stephen. I'm vaguely...
2: This is, this is a typical day in a lawyer's life where you're scuttling around making manuscript amendments at the last minute to contracts. All in a day's work.
0: Oh, yes, and charging by the hour and all of it going onto the Apple tab. Good times.
2: Plus, plus expenses. <laughs> what, what we should say is this contract, it will not be binding until ratified at a formal board meeting of Apple.
0: Yes. Now, this is an important thing to remember, that uh, even if Paul signs it straight away, even if he signed it first, this ratification has to happen. Park that thought, because it plays an important part in a few moments. Um, So, this day is a day that, perhaps because there's been a control of the narrative by Paul in recent years, particularly when we come to things like the anthology and books like many years from now, Um, people are able to ask him questions about this day and what happened. You know, when John was around, these kind of in-depth things weren't really known uh, as facts. And so I I don't think we got John's take on what happened at around that time. He speaks in vague generalities about Alan Klein. But we now know, because Paul's been asked about this day, and he's very clear about what went down at that time. So what did go down on May the 9th when they went to get Paul's signature?
2: Well... The Beatles have convened at Olympic Studios and they are there to listen to the latest Glyn Johns, some would say terrible, mix <laughs> of uh, some get-back tracks. So they're, they're still... This, this project has resurrected itself and they're, they're listening to, to uh, mixes. The Beatles are there. Neil Aspinall is there. Klein is not there, uh, we should say. Klein is at the airport waiting for his flight back to New York. And... Once they've listened to these tracks, Paul is presented with this contract that everyone else, the other three, have signed the day before. And they're saying, right, Klein has been working for three months or more without a contract. Uh, We're in the middle of the negotiations for Northern Songs. He needs needs to have authority. He needs to be served. You have to sign this contract. Now, remember, this is a contract that has previously been discussed If you remember a few days earlier, they have a meeting, Klein exits, they all discuss this. Peter Doggett makes the point that uh, no one in that meeting was objecting to Klein's appointment, much less, in Peter Doggett's words, objecting to the proposal that Klein would get 20% as his fee. Paul, presented with the document, says, I'm not signing this. I want my lawyer to have a Mm -hmm. look at this, and therefore... Uh, I will not be able to get to this until Monday. Yes. That's, uh,
0: now, in a functional relationship, that's not the most unreasonable request, you know. No. Uh, I, I've got this to, dude, just give me a day or two to revise it, look at it, think it. The bit that Paul talks about is this kind of 15 to 20% change, that he uses that as his reason yes. to to kind of dodge signing on the Friday.
2: Yes. I mean, he he does talk about this a lot. So in Anthology, he says, the other three said, you've got to sign a contract. Klein's got to take it to his board. And I said, well, it's Friday night. He doesn't work on a Saturday. Anyway, Alan Klein is a law unto himself. And they said, you're stalling. Uh, he wants 20%. And I said, tell him he can have 15%. And they said, you're stalling. And I said, no, I'm working for us. We're a big act. I remember the exact words. We're a big act. The Beatles, he'll take 15%. But for some strange reason, I think they were so intoxicated with him. Uh, They said, no, he's got to have 20% and he's got to report to his board. You've got to sign it now or never. So I said, right, that's it. I'm not signing now. So he draws a line in the sand. They draw a line in the sand. In Paul's words, they're saying, you've got to sign now or never.
0: And, you know, having seen the Get Back film and the way Paul interacts with Michael Lindsey Hogg versus how the others interact with Michael Lindsay Hogg, that kind of, you know, in-charge, authoritative kind of voice that he has when you see those interactions. Yeah. You can totally imagine this kind of situation going down that Paul is saying, no, no, no wait a second. You could argue he's totally reasonable. I, I Like, they were a big act. They were.
2: They were. Uh, there's pretty no denying big. that. They yeah, were a big like, act. Like, he's
0: not lying. They were a big act, they st- and they still are.
2: The Beatles and Scylla, that was pretty <laughs> much it. <laughs> That's it, yes. I think th- there's a couple of ways to look at this. I think, yes, it's perfectly reasonable that everybody has to be happy with this contract. But this is a contract that has previously been discussed. Yep. Paul has been there, has raised no objection. And if you remember, Paul is at that previous meeting with his lawyer.
0: And he didn't say anything about 15 um, or 20% no. at that time.
2: And, no. yes. What I was going to say is this mm-hmm. <laughs> does ring a bell in terms of Paul's early interactions with Brian Epstein. Yes. Where Paul is the one who's kind of being a little bit, uh, you know, there's that famous tale where he's in the bath. And yes. uh, they turn up for their meeting. Paul is late. Paul is in the bath, and George says, "Well, you know, he may be late, but he'd be very clean." But it—it it is that there's sort of history there in Paul's attitude or to, to people in a management figure. It—it—it it, it would be—I can tell you as a lawyer, it—it it would be incredibly frustrating to think you'd gone through all of this, you'd run around, you'd got everything, and then somebody who was in the meeting simply changes their mind. They're entitled to change their mind, of course they are, but he is one of four directors maybe more directors, but one of the directors uh, in a company and he's entitled to be satisfied. But yeah. you
0: know, but he's 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 also though you, you kinda see in the get back film that he's He is apologetic for being this kind of leading figure. And since Mr. Epstein's died and all the rest, he's had to carry the can. And he still feels, I think the other three are, are, you could argue, are saying, well, look, we found this guy, Klein. He's going to carry the can. And Paul is like, oh, am I the last man standing? Now, the flip side of that is, given all the things we've discussed in the previous two episodes, um, in terms of some of Paul's other slightly dodging behaviours or dismissive yeah. behaviours that the others could be saying, well, Paul, could you just stop being a dick and just sign it and just stop doing this every time we put something to you? like that. that you can also see them why they would feel that way.
2: Yes, and I do have a sense, there is a sense that the other three, possibly at Klein's instigation, yeah. ha- have sort of chosen this moment to, you know, hold Paul's feet to the flame and say, you've got to Make up your mind. You've got to sign. This is what we all want to do. Um, you, you've, you've got to put your pen to the to the paper. But it is this idea that Paul is not putting up logical reasons. You know, you can see that he's saying, "Oh well, you know, maybe we could chip away." But the time for chipping away yeah. and, and and negotiating the fine print. Has, has sort of passed and it's mm. got to the stage where three of the, three of the people that need to sign this have already signed it.
0: Yeah, but Paul would say, oh, well, this is just tactics and, you know, we are a big act and, you know, they're both playing tactics so they're trying to do this Friday-type signing and Klein is playing this totally bogus row that John, George and Ringo believe which is, oh, I have to get it back to the Alan Klein board straight away and Paul is saying, they can wait, they can wait and Paul is right.
2: I'm not sure that that they they do believe that Klein – they know Klein. They know Klein has no board. I don't think they necessarily believe that. I think this is just the moment that the three of them, or possibly the four of them, if we include Klein, have have decided. This is the moment when we have to definitively get a yes or a no. We have to actually basically call Paul's bluff. He's been dancing around. The time to deploy this tactic – would have been at the earlier meeting when Klein has left and they're all sitting yeah. around and Paul should have been saying at that point 20% is too much um, he should take 15 he was there he was in the room he had his lawyer and i think it's a level of miscommunication yeah and that is the indi- that that is that is the biggest sort of tell as to how bad how, how dysfunctional the relationship has has become I have said before, I don't think Paul is good at reading a room. Yes. Um, You know, there are lots of examples of that. Lennon is fired up. You know, Paul uses the word intoxicated. I think Lennon is intoxicated with Klein. I think George and Ringo are accepting Lennon's lead. Yep. But Paul is not playing his hand well and has not played his hand well. And all of this plays out against the background of what I had described as Liberty Bell, part yeah. one, yeah. where suddenly Paul won't put his shares up. Everybody else is in, this is to secure the loan that will get them Northern Songs, and Paul is going I'm not doing it.
0: Yeah, and and you know the the, the other three are kind of set against the Eastmans at this point, and we don't know what they're saying behind closed doors about the fact that the Eastmans are now he's now married to Linda. Yes. And so they probably feel, well, Paul can't be logical. Paul is getting blindsided. You know, Klein is is kind of neutral to us and he's for us. That's, you know, legitimately what they would have said. I mean, to go back to many years from now, um, you know, Paul is kind of saying, as you said, they were besotted by the guy and he's saying, no, he wants a good deal. We shouldn't run and jump into his arms. And because the Eastmans weren't going to be practicing on Friday and Saturday, he was using this to put a fudge into getting things done on Monday. I happen to have a Jewish lawyer, said Paul. What can I say to him? Change your bloody religion, man. I need you. Classic. You can't do that. And they said, we will do it without you, which they couldn't. And that was why they needed me. Otherwise, I don't think they would have bothered showing up. So they said, oh, fuck off. And they all stormed off, leaving me with the session at Olympic. We're now two swears in this episode, Stephen. We'll have to put an E on the, sorry if anyone's driving there with their kids. (laughs) So it's, 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 you know we're laughing about it but this is tense and this is a scar for paul to this day
2: yes and the one aspect of this that i have all my sympathies are with paul
1: mm-hmm. what happens
2: is klein is at the airport and klein comes back from the airport to to make the case to paul and there is a massive massive rye between klein and paul And Glyn Johns is there. He was a witness to this. And he describes it in terms of Klein actually physically intimidating Paul and bullying him and shouting at him. And, uh, you know, he says that... um, you know, he's in the control room, this is happening down on the studio floor, he turns all the microphones off so that he can't actually hear what is happening, but he said even with the mics and everything off, he can still hear the shouting and and the bullying, and he describes it in those terms. So it, it, it has descended into that almost like a physical confrontation, and there are shades of that physical confrontation that Lennon has had with him previously when he suddenly finds out about the additional shares. So Paul, I think rightly, even if he were going to sign the contract, Klein would be his employee. And he is having a potential employee screaming at him in the studio, a place where he feels safe, a place where the Beatles have always, as you said previously... They're able to put all their kind of business things to one side. They're in a studio. They make music and they can forget about the business stuff. Suddenly the business stuff is in his face, in his studio.
0: And it's May 1969. He's Paul McCartney. He didn't know this guy four months earlier. And now he's screaming at him, telling him what he has to do. And, you know, famous people shouldn't be treated that way. I don't mean they shouldn't be treated that way, but they're not used to being
2: treated that way. He's certainly not used to being
0: treated that way. Um, And that is not acceptable.
2: It isn't acceptable. And that's why I'm saying this is this is this is the aspect of that day, this yeah. second, if you will, Liberty Bell Day, uh where my sympathies are with with Paul. Uh he he is he is being berated by somebody. But on the other hand, Klein will say, would say, uh he's trying to do his best for the Beatles. He's trying to get them control of Northern songs. It is a yeah. very difficult situation, and he is not being given Sufficient authority to go out there and do that, Paul is in a sense having his cake and eating it too. He is quite happy for client to go out do the deal, conduct a negotiation, but he's not prepared to give him his official authority to do that
0: and so what happens next is um everyone storms out. Paul is left alone in the studio, yeah, and he's there for a few hours. But what's more striking is what happens behind his back when he's left behind or what, what they, well, behind his back, maybe isn't the phrase.
2: Well, it's very emotive. It's very emotive. Okay. Um, So, well, it's interesting that uh, if you, that quote that you had from many years from now, and they said, well, we'll do it without you, which they couldn't. That was why they needed me. Otherwise I don't think they'd have bothered showing up. Yes. They didn't need him.
0: No, they did not. They didn't need his signature at all. They were
2: humoring him. What they needed was a board meeting at which three directors of Apple were present. So at 8 p.m. that evening, John, George and Neil Aspinall, who was a director of Apple, hold a board meeting and ratify the agreement with Klein. And that is something that they were perfectly entitled to do under the company rules. So as a lawyer, from a legal perspective, Are Klein, you
0: this this is new. Client you. twice now
2: has a binding contract with Apple. And it is irrelevant, uh, from a legal perspective that Paul has not signed this document. And Paul will say, I never signed, he doesn't represent me. It's true he does not represent Paul in Paul's personal capacity, but he is now the officially legally appointed representative of Paul's company Apple
0: Yeah and I, I don't mean to be emotive by using a phrase but behind his back but did he know that they were stomping off to do this or do we know if
2: I, he knew? Uh, No I think I th- I think not I mean I think yeah. there is a massive rye they leave you know Klein is Klein is back there is this rye it descends into this almost sort of physical bullying of Paul and then everybody leaves and Paul does not leave the studio so I don't think he could have known that this was going to happen. I think, and I'm I'm speculating here, but I think it is probably telling that Ringo is not at this board meeting. Um, so maybe Ringo is is slightly less comfortable doing this. Well, Klein will no doubt have been pointing out to them. Well, let, you don't. We don't need Paul's signature. You don't need Paul's signature. You just need to have a board meeting, and a board meeting can take place anywhere. It's just like yeah. you know, three three people not riotously assembled, and uh, they 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 have their board meeting and they sign the document, they ratify it, and that's yep. it. They, End they of reach story. their
0: quorum. There's a good uh, quote here from George, where it says, um, "It's more of a personal thing, you know, the management situation because Apple was Paul's idea, which is an interesting thing to say. I don't think it was Paul's idea per se. Maybe it suited Paul the most." Was it purely his idea, do you think? Well, I
2: think I think it's sort of originally, it's really Paul and John. If you look at yeah. those early days, it's Paul and John. And jo- George, I have to say, after the event, although this is not, this is more a more of a contemporary quote, but certainly an anthology. George is very good at distancing himself yeah. from Apple. Um, so in the early days, I think it is principally John and Paul. It's sort kind of idea.
0: Western communism idea. Anyway, he says Apple was Paul's idea. And once he started going, once uh, he was very active in there. And then it got very chaotic. Then once we tried to start doing something about Apple, obviously Paul didn't have as much say in the matter. And then because he wanted Lee Eastman, his in-laws, to run it, and we didn't, it soon became a problem. That's a personal problem that he will have to get over. The reality is that he's outvoted and we are a partnership. Ouch, that has never been the case before this event.
2: No. No.
0: You know? So Paul is left alone in the studio and Paul is, as Paul does, what does he do?
2: He records a song.
0: He records a song. Not a Paul McCartney song, but a song um, by a visiting musician who sticks his head around the corner, Steve Miller.
2: Steve Miller. Hey, what's happening, man? Can I use the studio? Yeah, I said, can I drum for you? I just had a fucking unholy, oh God, that's a third one. That's yeah, I just had a fucking unholy argument fourth. with the guys there. I explained it to him, took minutes, 10 minutes to get it off my chest. So I, I did a track. He and I stayed that night and did a track of his called My Dark R. I thrashed everything out on drums. There's a surfeit of aggressive drum pills. That's all I can say about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's a it's a nice song. It's not. It's neither remarkable nor unremarkable. It's okay, you know. Uh, yeah. It's on his, uh, what's the name of the album it's on? It's on his it's uh, Brave on... New World album, isn't that it? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a second person from the cast of characters of Flaming Pie. We've had Alan Ginsberg and now we've got Steve Miller, who appears
2: on Flaming Pie many years later. He's most famous for appearing on Flaming Pie.
0: <laughs> well, I think so. It's, it's funny that, you know, uh, for the post-anthology Beatles revival record, he's like, and here's from my it's, finest moment,
2: it's, Steve yeah. Miller. Let's, it's, remember, uh... let's remember
0: all the good times.
2: Like this is your life. <laughs>
0: um yeah, so 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 uh, this this song exists and you know it's it's very Paul to retreat into the studio and, and record a track.
2: Yes, and uh, he uh, hides behind a pseudonym.
0: Yes, and it's Paul a Beatley pseudonym.
2: Ramon. Mm. Ramon. Yes Ram
0: Ram Ramon. Ramon. Um, which is the pseudonym he's used before uh, in 1960 while they were touring Scotland as the Silver Beatles. He was Paul Ramon. And obviously, um, you know, good old conspiracy theory. It's partly to do with the song Ramon as well. It's what gave us the name of the group, The Ramones.
2: Yeah, it's all connected.
0: It's all connected. Um, So uh, the point is that this is ratified. Klein now has an element of authority and control. He can act on their behalf. Um, there's still the unfinished business of Northern songs. Yes. That's the next big problem.
2: Yes, this is all still going on in the background. And we, we kind of touched on this. So basically, uh, Dick James has and Charles Silver have have sold out to ATV. Uh, they've got around, uh, you know, 30, 35% uh, of the shares. The Beatles have just short of 30 There's a rush, there's a competition to see which of the sides can get control of the remaining shares which are floating around. So by April, May, ATB have got 35% of the shares. So they've been buying these up. Meanwhile, back at the stock exchange, (laughs) uh, a selection of stockbrokers do what stockbrokers do. And they have formed a consortium called The Consortium.
0: That's very, like, they <laughs> the bought the prisoner.
2: They've bought <laughs> up 15% of the stock. So if ATV can get the shares from the consortium and a couple of more shares, they're home and a boat and they've got yeah. control of the company. So that is where things sit. There are two competing bids. ATV bid is sitting at under £2 a share. Klein has put an offer out at just above £2 a share. But the consortium don't like Alan Klein and they don't like his reputation. You remember he's been trashed in the Sunday Times. They're nervous that Klein will be controlling this company. Mm. And they don't trust him.
0: But why should that matter? I don't I'm not a I'm not a financial whiz kid. If they're getting rid of the shares, why do they care who's running the company once they sell the shares?
2: I rely on you not being a financial whiz kid, that's why. I look after all of the end nothing is real. Petty <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, thanks, man.
2: I think (laughs) what the intention is at this stage is that the consortium will not sell their shares necessarily but will enter into some sort of cooperation agreement. Gotcha. Um, You know, they will sort of pledge their support but they will retain their shares. So rather than take a capital payout for their shares they will enter into a shareholders agreement or some kind of arrangement with the Beatles and uh, they'll continue to get income.
0: Yeah, so Um, they'll own their bit but they will let it be run by the other major shareholders either ATV or Klein Beetles but they don't want Klein to be the man with his hands on the till hands on the reins whatever kind of metaphor you want to use That's Um, it Okay, so, you know one of the things we touched upon in the last episode is how while all of this is happening then stuff sort of pops into their day-to-day calendar where they're just acting totally normally so four days after the big Liberty Bell collapse. They're in Manchester Square at EMI's main offices, leaning over the balcony, getting their photo taken. Eventually you know, we see it on the, the, the Blue album. Um, It's planned for the cover of Get Back, but you know, they're all smiles. They're all yeah. mad into it.
2: There's a camera. There's a camera. So yeah, again, it's this, it's this business as usual to, uh, you know, facing out to the world. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, what, what you also have to remember is The world is watching. You know, the financial press is watching this. The music press is watching this. The people are speculating. You know, are they all falling out? Are they going to split up? And so there's a lot of focus on them. And um, they're doing photo shoots. They're also doing interviews. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to read this uh, quote. So there's another swear coming up. Um, In the middle of negotiations, see what I did there? Uh, John made his comment I'm not going to be fucked around by men in suits sitting on their fat asses in the city.
0: Now that wasn't a wise thing for John to say because it really
2: it really was not. It really it, was not.
0: If um, this consortium already had concerns about Klein, you know, being in control of, you know, the, the 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 northern the future of northern songs to have a John Lennon as the main breadwinner to be kind of going rogue and saying things like that. What it eventually does is that, you know, six days after the Manchester Square um, photo is taken, eventually the consortium make their decision and it gets announced that they're going to partner with ATV.
2: Yes, and they 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 do enter into this cooperation agreement. So basically, it's a time limited cooperation agreement. So what what they've signed up to is that they will pledge their fifteen percent to ATV between. The 19th of May, and uh, 1969, and May, 1970. So effectively, it's a 12-month cooperation agreement between ATV and the consortium. So they haven't sold the shares, they're just supporting Blue Grade. So they could, for example, vote him onto the board and they yes. have the, the, the sort of firepower to do that.
0: So the door is open for, because the consortium still own the shares as a block, so it's not... It's an agreement, but it's not a done deal. And ATV don't have the ultimate ownership, which no. gives Klein a little bit of wiggle room for, for what he tries to do next. And again, this notion of life in Land continues. John and Yoko go to Toronto for um, the, you know, the Toronto bed-in where Give Peace a Chance is recorded. So, yep. you know, perhaps maybe the more famous of the bed-ins. Uh, that same week, the Bad of John and Yoko single comes out. So if you're not a a big old Beatles nerd in 1969 you just think oh here's a new single from the Beatles ooh it's got the word christ in it and you know it's franco is a bit upset and all of that kind of stuff it's uh, you know it's just normal business um which then kind of tilts off into the summer
2: and they do what Beatles do they all go on holiday
0: on holiday so not much happens in june
2: not together
0: <laughs> no. John and Yoko no, 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 no.
2: are are in in Toronto, and Paul, George, and Ringo all go off on separate holidays. And this is supposedly when Paul decides we need to do another album. We need to, you know, we can't kind of leave it like this. There's so much unfinished business. We need to do an album like we did in the old days. And then he contacts George Martin. He gets buy-in from the others. Uh, although, interestingly, John had already given an interview about the song medley way back in April. So that's a kind of, that notion is still hanging around from the end of the the Get, yeah. the get Back project. But the big kind of key date then is 1st of July, they start the sessions for Abbey Road.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, that kind of little break in June. Because, as you say, they all go away, get a holiday, clear their heads, do a bed in, whatever you like to do when you're on your, your holidays. And... It is another one of these kind of canon discussions that, you know, uh, uh, this notion of, you know, Abbey Road was intentionally the last album. I don't, no. like, certainly Ringo doesn't think that's true, but it it's now kind of sold us this notion of, oh, well, we'll just do one more. We can't leave it like this. Um, In retrospect, we are fortunate and it is fortunate that that's how it played out, that they got it together, they yeah. sealed the deal, they made this album and someday we'll do Abbey Road specific episodes. But uh, it is kind of part of this kind of canon or this lore that we call George Martin and George Martin says, only if you let me produce you like you, I used to produce you, chaps, boys. I don't like your tie, whatever. And, uh, and that they all plan to go into Abbey Road. But of course, a chunk of Abbey Road already exists at this point. They've been recording in bits and pieces since yes. the end of uh, January.
2: I think... The importance of the 1st of July is not so much that it's the beginning of the Abbey Road sessions, but it marks the end of Get Back. You know, it's the point at which the slightly desultory sessions that have been going on since the end of January, beginning of February, with no particular, uh, you know, idea in mind, suddenly coalesce around this idea. Right. It's it's an album. It's not the Get Back album. It's an old fashioned Beatles and George Martin album. and This, this, as you say, June seems to have given everybody a chance to decompress slightly. Klein, you know, Paul, whether he likes it or not, Klein is off in the background negotiating with people, doing what he does.
0: So I think, you know, the take-home message from that June 1969 period is that it's always a good idea to take a break. Wouldn't you agree? End of part one. Intermission. post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today end of intermission part 2 welcome back so we are at the 1st of July, 1969. This is the official beginning of Abbey Road, even though we've got bits of You Only Give Me Your Money and I I Want You She's So Heavy and all the rest are floating around. Uh, This is the uh, official sessions. John is not there because there's been a car accident and uh, the other three Beatles are recording without him. Again, we will do an Abbey Road episode. It's on the to-do list of Forevermore. But, you know, John reappears... uh, just over a week into sessions, you know, he brings Come Together with him. He also brings a bed to put his wife into. That's a good idea. They, 1969, an awful lot of beds involved.
2: It's the third bed-in.
0: It, it kind of is the third bed-in. It's like a little personal bed-in yeah. for the lads
2: down in number two. It's great. You know, to make them feel <laughs> included. You know, this is...
0: Yeah, so it's, it's fine. And, and in the middle of all of this, and, you know... I'm pretty certain people listening to this uh, podcast have heard the album Abbey Road. You know, it works out pretty well. But in the middle of all of this, they're pulled off to see a rough cut of a little movie called Checks Notes Get Back.
2: Yes. So, Mm. you know, uh, poor Michael Lindsay Hogg is still, you know, standing around forlornly clutching his cigar yeah, do I have a movie? Do I not have a movie? Uh, are we going to put this out? Are we not going to put this out? So it's still kind of there in the background. We should get yeah. Michael lindsay hogg on and ask him what he was doing in June. Did he go off on a holiday as well?
0: I wonder, did they look at that uh, you know, movie because it's only six months earlier and as we've said before, that's a, an eon in, in Beatles time. Did they look back and think, oh man, we were so happy back then. <laughs> you know, now, now we're not happy. But uh, back then we were happy.
2: Little did they know.
0: But then we enter into uh, August, September, and these are two pivotal Beatle months. So August, talk us through August.
2: There's a lot happening in, in August, so we'll just rattle through this. So the there's still there are sessions. The cover shoot is on the 8th of August. The last recording session is on the 20th of August. The last mixing session is on the 21st of August. The last photo shoot which produces the Hey Jude album cover is on the twenty-second of August. The twenty-eighth of August, Mary McCartney is born, and on the thirtieth, John, George, and Ringo are all watching Bob Dylan at the Isle of Wight. And then it's September.
0: And then it's September, but you know they've gotten a lot done in July and August. They've closed out an excellent album. They've done all the attendant, um, uh, you know, photography and design yep. work, sequencing, and, and, and all the yep. rest. You know, you know, so so stuff is happening. Now, we are lucky, you know, the famous story of Abbey Roads that they're like, oh, we'll just go outside and take our photo. You know, these kind of very quick, random decisions. We are not spending weeks uh, getting Peter Blake to assemble a montage or we're not hanging out in Richard Hamilton's studio to get things done. It's literally, let's just take a photo and, and, and be done with it. Um, but there's still this ongoing, you know, uh, you know, Klein still has a notion of getting his oar in to try and, somehow salvage something out of Northern Songs?
2: Yes, so there there, there have been two approaches. So the consortium are linked to Lou Grade until May 1970. So Klein, first of all, goes to them and says, well, look, you know, when that agreement comes to an end, we'll buy your shares, or we're still interested. So Lou Grade will have control for 12 months. That's not the end of the world, and we will buy these shares. Meanwhile, he also approaches Lou Grade, And there's a very good book called Apple to the Core, The Unmaking of the Beatles, which really covers this period. It was written in the early 70s, so it's quite a sort of fresh and current perspective. And there's a quote from Jack Gill, who was the financial director at ATV. And he says, "Klein came to see Sir Lou with vague terms under which he would see to it that we got control of Northern by delivering the Beatles shares to us. At that time, he was there to knock the consortium. The main concession was that Apple would then get sub-publishing rights for the Beatles' songs throughout the US and Canada. We were willing to consider it, but told Klein that we were not in a position to do so at the time because of our agreement with the consortium. So what Klein seems to be saying is, well, look, okay, we'll deliver the shares, the Beatles' shares, to you. Now, it's unclear if that means he's going to sell them or he's going to enter into some kind of agreement, cooperation agreement. And in exchange for that, there would be a sub-publishing deal for the yeah. US so uh and Canada.
0: It's an interesting idea and it's one that you kind of think, well, why didn't ATV and the Beatles figure out a way to to, to actually work together to get the job done uh, yeah. as, a, as a group And so, Klein This is actually not a bad idea To say Yeah, let's come come together Like the song says hey, And we will uh, You know Northern songs will still exist And we'll take the North American publishing And we'll make a bit of money off that And you'll make a bit of money off the rest of the world And we'll both yeah. have control And we'll figure it out It's All not right. the worst idea
2: Everything Everything is Hunky-dory Everything is going Completely according to plan And it's a very good deal And then And then the Eastmans write a letter to Lou Grade saying, Klein does not represent or speak for Paul McCartney. Oh, so, what Eastmans. is going on here? What, what, is, this, what is this about?
0: <laughs> well, it's so bad that Paul withdraws the letter and gives a very direct apology to Lou Grade saying, Klein does speak for me. And when Paul is doing that, you kind of have to think, oh man, yep. we're through the looking glass here.
2: So is this the Eastmans going off on a solo run? Because one of, the, one of the things that characterizes all of this is there is such personal animosity between the Eastmans and Klein. And you, you get the sense when you look at the transcripts and you, you sort of read people's differing accounts, even Paul's accounts of the meetings at which the Eastmans and Klein come to blows, the Eastmans are genuinely riled up Klein mm. is doing it for fun, you know. This is this is just this bounces right off. This is water off a duck's back. He doesn't care what you say about him. He does not care about the insults, but he knows how to get under the Eastman's skin. And there is such a level, I think, of personal animosity. Why would they write and on the cusp of that deal and say, "Well, yeah. Klein does not have authority." He does have authority because yeah, it's, does. it's you know, he does have authority. Um, and the fact that Paul has to phone Lou Grade, just by way of background, the Beatles don't like Lou Grade. They really yeah. don't like Lou Grade and they don't like the whole kind of the Grade family. There are two or maybe three brothers and um, there was a Leslie Grade they believed uh, who that had sort of actively worked against them in the early days because of a because Brian hadn't sort of gone into a deal with Leslie Grade who was a sort of a promoter back in the in the early 60s and they they felt that the grade family were really against them and had done them down that's right yeah. so so it, yeah it's quite a big thing for paul to to bone lou grade and apologise
0: yeah um so ATV, which is the grades, you know, they they have the situation where they own about 35%. They yeah. have about 15% from the consortium. They're still not exactly... They're kind of hovering around this 50%. They're not quite there. It's a bit tight. And as a business, the story goes that their own share price is quite low that summer. They don't have a lot of cash on hand. And they want to try and actually just buy out the consortium and get it done. And, yes. you know, then they can you know, get everybody on board and, and sort it out and have a bit of, of power. And the consortium itself, though, is a bit kind of chaotic. It, the consortium ends up falling apart, really.
2: Yeah. So by early September, some th- th- this consortium is just that. It's a, it's a collection of individual shareholders. And some of them start to get a bit nervous about all of this. And, and it, it, they say, well, we're, we're just going to sell our shares. And part of the Agreement that the consortium has with ATV and sort of between themselves, between all of these shareholders is that if any member wants to sell, they will offer their shares first to the other members of the consortium. So uh, eventually, uh, this is what happens, and they start to it starts to fragment. and uh, ultimately by the 8th of September, ATV is able to say, we now have 38% ownership. And they are dealing with a chap called Peter Donald, who was the chairman of uh, uh, an entity called Hard and Wyndham that was one of the largest um, members of the consortium. And so he is there now entering into direct negotiations with Lou Grade and Jack Gill. So this is we're kind of into the second week in September. And while all this is going on, John and Yoko are remixing the new smash hit Plastic Band single. (laughs) What's the new Mary Jane?
0: Yes, which obviously doesn't see the light of day um, until many anthologies later, but... It, there is this thing, this thing again, Beatles business as usual in September. There's a, a launch party at the start of September in Apple for Abbey Road and Paul turns up to that. There's very, very few pieces of press and interviews that happen for, for Abbey Road at the start of September. As you say, John and Yoko are fiddling around with What's the New Mary Jane because they want to put out another Plastic On Band single following on from Give Peace A Chance. And the day after they're mixing that single, somebody says, let's go to... Toronto, Toronto and rolling. do some rock and roll, and there go. That's a fantastic idea. And the thirteenth of September, John and Yoko are doing their rock and roll thing live piece in Toronto. And the legend, it's not the legend, the truth goes is that it's on this trip on the plane that John decides I'm not a Beatle anymore, but he keeps it under his hat for the moment.
2: Yeah. Um, yes, but as so, Apple is Apple is is continuing. So, yeah. uh, uh, interestingly, it's back to that quote. Uh, that George had where Paul is sort of withdrawing from Apple. And George actually becomes, you know, John is still there, but John and Yoko are doing the John and Yoko thing. George is still now very much front and centre at Apple, and he is there, and he and Derek Taylor are working, and George is producing... You know, Doris Troy, Billy Preston, the Radha Krishna Temple, he's doing all of that. He's doing um, so
0: much studio work in sixty nine. He's doing fantastic stuff in sixty nine. And he's he's kind of I think we touched upon this in our All Things Must Pass episode. He's setting himself up. He's just slowly putting together a utility belt of skills. Yes. In yes. the studio and dealing with musicians that do not happen to be friends from Liverpool. He's slowly doing his thing in the background. I I I don't believe he knew at the time how these skills were going to play out at all. But that's what he is doing. And he's, you know, Paul is kind of moving away from the, oh, here's a song for Mary Hopkin, and here's a song for the, the Black Dyke Mills Band. And George is actually taking up that mantle.
2: Yes. And by way of a slight aside, you, you know how much I admire Philip Norman. Um, you
0: say he's, he's your favourite. You
2: keep saying He it is. And uh, the last good thing he ever wrote was on, uh, appeared in the... <laughs> It appeared in the Sunday Times on the eleventh of January, nineteen seventy, but it was based on him hanging around Apple at this time. Just, just by way of a little aside, he, he, in that article, he describes, you know, Derek Taylor, and they're all sort of, you know, people. Some Canadian girl is there trying to get George to listen to a tape, and George is trying to leave the room. And Derek Taylor hands the phone to George and says, uh, "They want to know what you look for in a girl." And George, uh, "Hello," says George. "This is John Lennon." I look for spiritual qualities more than physical, though I like girls who don't wear brass. Have you got any shares in Northern Songs? Eyes are the windows to the soul, as someone once said. Sorry to have taken <laughs> up your time. press the phone
0: <laughs> So, mocking. It's very funny to just pick up a random phone, do you have Northern Song shares? <laughs> not and, and like he doesn't even care he's gotten rid of all his chairs he yeah in some ways he doesn't have a dog in the fight and knowing no, no, as a no. fan sort of his general personality there's probably part of this where he was like Ugh, aren't uh, you glad it isn't me who's having to deal with northern songs i've got me harry songs over here and i'm trying to write my sweet lord um it's uh it's all good so but the first half of September, as we kind of mapped out, is that ATV get their shares up to 38% John Yoko in Toronto. The second half of September, though, is very different. And George does depart because he gets some news about his mum. His mum yes. has gotten a very serious diagnosis, which uh, uh, she sadly dies the following year. And so he departs up to Liverpool to be with his mum, which leaves behind John, Paul and Ringo. And there is another meeting on the 19th of september
2: yes at which obviously yoko and linda are 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 present and klein and this we, we probably everybody listening to this podcast will have seen the photographs taken at this meeting these are photographs taken by linda and it's the three Beatles and klein all signing signing a document and standing around at one point paul is standing there with his thumb down and looking very you know screwing up his face and everybody's kind of joking around and his magnifying glasses and all that. It's all great larks.
0: They are fantastic photos. I didn't, like the first time I saw them a couple of years back, I couldn't believe they kind of existed. Um, You know, because it's John and Yoko. You don't see Linda because she's taking the photos. And uh, as you said, there's one where Paul is kind of comedically glum. And yep. we'll put them up on Twitter and they're on Beatlesbible.com if you want to go look for them there. But um what I always thought for years was that this is a picture of them signing the deal that Klein has set up for EMI, but that's not the case. They're just kind of fake photos.
2: They're faked up photographs. They're just signing yeah. some random piece of paper or some random document. And the whole purpose of the photograph was to reassure people who are watching, specifically the consortium, that all was well in Beetleland, that they were all getting yes. on well. And it you know, it's all fairly disingenuous because it does create the the impression that Paul has signed with Klein and they're all getting on like a house on fire.
0: Yeah, and, you know, George isn't there. It's very disingenuous because it does seem as if Paul is kind of, you know, signing to Klein almost. It yes. looks like that they yes. are, oh, this is the deal when they all got together. Um, but when they're in the room, they start to discuss... Um, what would happen if they managed to get control of Northern Songs? How they would formulate a board of their version of Northern Songs with everybody.
2: In exactly, the room because Klein is not going to be on the board. That's the point. Now, if you have a hat, take it off or <laughs> hang on to it very tight. Because they start to have this discussion and uh Lee Eastman, who is present, says uh Paul needs to have voting rights on the board, equal to the combined voting rights of the other three Beatles.
0: What's going on? Why? Like, like it is a pattern of behavior we've now established. Yes, yes. And
2: so they're uh, basically basically saying if if, if uh, you know Paul has to be in that position, and and they said, well, no, this is Klein's report. Of, of, of the meeting. Mm. So Klein says in his affidavit, even Paul was shocked by this. And this was Lee Eastman saying, well, given the way things have gone recently, Paul needs to be sure that he cannot be outvoted. Now, this is very strange, particularly because Paul makes a lot of play about it's an equal partnership. Everything has to be unanimous. And again, you get a sense that if Paul is shocked, Lee Eastman is in there sort of trying to protect uh, his client as a client in an arm's length negotiation, which it clearly is not an arm's length negotiation. And uh, uh, apparently, according to Klein, the person who was strongest in voicing his opposition was Ringo. So you know you've not read the room right if Ringo is... uh, (laughs)
0: If you've annoyed Ringo, yeah. Well, the thing I wonder is, you know, is is Eastman trying to sort of outcline Klein in a way? Is he trying to storm in at these meetings and go, "Oh, you want to see bluster?" And you know, he can't match him. That's not the way he should be doing business. Is he? He's just not very good at doing a Klein, Lee but, Eastman.
2: But you know? there, I, I cannot see even the tactical or strategic reason for doing this. You know, there is nothing to be gained by this. They are not signing an agreement. This is simply a discussion which is saying, well, if we get control, how would we constitute the board? And suddenly one of the Beatles is saying, well, I need to have as many votes as the other three combined.
0: Yeah, not a great idea. So it doesn't come to pass that way. It goes without saying.
2: And the meeting broke
0: up. And the meeting broke up. But you know what they need? They need another meeting the following day. They do, which is the twentieth of September, nineteen sixty nine. Um, this is this is the significant meeting because I think sometimes they're all conflated into one meeting that uh, that uh, you know what happens all happens on the day they sign the papers. But it's a separate meeting on the twentieth of September. Again, George is away with his ill mother, and you know Klein has kind of cleaned out, cleared out some of the the facts of this in affidavit, but. Um, this is the day when they come together to sort out the new capital EMI deal. And this is often, as when the story is retold, seen as the saving grace or the great achievement of Klein's stewardship of the Beatles. Yeah. is that he manages to, you know, get the record label by the Short and Curleys and, you know, with a new album in the pipeline, get a decent royalty rate out of them, which he had done for the Stones before. It's yeah. one of his skill sets.
2: You know, we will come on to talk about the royalty rate. So that has all been going on in the background. To say like all of these things, you treat them separately and you think of them as, as being sort of discrete standalone topics or issues on meetings. But they're, they're all sort of running into each other and the, the, yeah. the royalty rate negotiations are going on in the background. The other thing is I don't think you can separate this meeting from what happened the day before. You, no, know, that's, it, that's, you know, that's that's it's all let, the same
0: soup, the same vibes, the same, it, same Exactly. Attitudes. nobody's exactly. changing their feeling towards what's going on.
2: Yeah. So effectively the the new deal with capital uh, is is revealed and everybody signs. George isn't there, he'll sign a few days later, but John, Paul and Ringo sign. And you know, This is the point at which Paul will say, well, if you're screwing us over, I can't see how you're doing it. Yes. And then they sort of go on to just talk generally about the group and what they're doing. And Paul says, what we should do is go out on tour. We should do a club tour.
0: That old chestnut. You know, we tried it earlier in the year.
2: Yeah. Grand Um,
0: of indifference, yeah.
2: You know, John says no. And in, in... the Jan Wenner interview in 1970, he sort of says, you know, it got to the point where everything Paul was saying, I was saying no to. Uh, yeah. and so there's a kind of sense that things are building up. And I don't think that Paul necessarily is saying, you know, we should have a club tour. We should then we should do this and then we should do this and then we should do this. I think when John says everything Paul said, I was just saying no to. It's a, It's not specific it's just a general thing I just wasn't interested in what Paul was doing and specifically and then suddenly John says I wasn't going to say anything until after we'd signed the capital deal but I'm leaving the group so that's it that's the bombshell That's the bombshell
0: and this has been mulling around in his head you know for about two weeks or so since since his travelings to Toronto
2: yes as, and as you say klein has prevailed upon him you know don't say anything because i'm in the, i'm in this crucial stage of negotiation with capital we can't we can't suddenly say uh you know the band is about to split up
0: yeah and paul says later you know our jaws me ringo george and linda nearly dropped like george wasn't there so i don't know why no. he would have said that <laughs> um linda was there for some reason
2: well yeah the you, just the, the the complete quote if we can have the complete oh yeah quote. go on uh, are Jaws, me, Ringo, George, and Linda, because she happened to be nearby. sort of nearby, <laughs> just like nearby, nearly dropped. So Linda happened to be nearby, because again, one of the things that, that, it's appalling that John is bringing Yoko to all of these meetings. Yeah. I mean, I do not condone that, but equally, I do not condone the fact that Paul, almost in a sort of tit-for-tat um, escalation, is bringing Linda so,
0: Linda, by the way, who's the mother of a three-week-old at this point, and who probably has better things to be doing.
1: Probably. You, know? you would think. Uh,
0: you, yeah, you would think. And I do think that Paul's head as a new father in September 1969 needs to be taken into account the whole time. It's a crazy world in any person's life, the first six weeks of a new infant and then every single week afterwards. Um, but <laughs> there, <laughs> there's a great quote from uh, Ringo, again an anthology quote, after the Plastic Ono Band's debut in Toronto, we had a meeting in Savile Row where John finally brought it to its head. Its head, He said, well, that's it, lads. Let's end it. And we all said yes. And though I said yes because it was ending and you can't keep it together anyway if this is what the attitude is, I don't know how, I, I don't know if I would have said end it. I probably would have lingered another couple of years. And it, it's very sort of resigned, you know. Uh, you know, I'm leaving, you're leaving. Uh, well, that's it. And... You know, he talks then about if it had happened in 65 or 67, it would have been a mighty shock. But now it's just, let's get the divorce over with, really. And John was always the most forward when it came to nailing anything. So he's the leader, John, in this
2: decision. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Ringo was specifically saying, you know, he wasn't shocked. Paul is saying, you know, everybody's jaw dropped. And Ringo was saying, well, I was just relieved. And we, we talked previously, Ringo was sort of at this point in 1969, is saying, you know, I don't miss being a Beatle. He's already, you know, people are already talking in past tense. George Paul doesn't remember that George wasn't there, but George would say later he doesn't even remember being told about this. Yeah. Um, but that's probably, you know, he a distraction of his mother's uh, illness.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and and as you do, uh, the meeting disperses. John and Yoko and Klein go off for a bit of lunch, and he's given the job of running bag productions. Um, so, And then there's this issue of Abco giving John and Yoko £20,000.
2: He's so happy to be made uh, company director of uh, bag productions. Mm. This, this yes. becomes
0: an issue later, doesn't it?
2: This does become an issue later because what what will happen generally going forward as we move into the court case, income is frozen, income is passed into the hands of a receiver – John and Yoko, as we've mentioned before, they don't stop spending. They bought Tittenhurst. They put in their illegal lake. Yeah. <laughs> hiring hot air balloons and what have you. Klein will advance money to them. I mean, one, one of the things that we shouldn't lose sight of is that Klein is an extremely wealthy man yes. in his own right. You know, he, yes. was prepared, he was prepared to put up £650,000 of shares in MGM uh, to, yep. to, 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 to guarantee the, the deal. So he lends money to John and Yoko, and you, you just know that John has no sense that this is really a loan, it's just money, he, it's, it's back to the guy Stephen Waltz that said, you're, you're used to just picking up a phone, you want a car, you want a house, you want a bill paid, and I think it's John's uselessness with money that gets him into trouble with Klein, because Klein will lend money in and this becomes an issue much, much later.
0: And in a scene that, you know, if you if you saw it in a movie, you wouldn't believe it. On the day when they sign this deal with an increased royalty rate, yet somehow John also announces that he's leaving the band, in another room, somewhere else, I guess, in the city, uh, ATV buy shares from the consortium, and they start to reach almost the magical 50% of Northern yes. songs. So while all this is happening, that's also happening. Exactly. And and they are trying to get over the line. And that happens just five days later, on the 25th of September. ATV increases its shareholding to 54% and essentially now call off the race.
2: They've won, haven't they? That's it. Yes, it's all over. Um, they, they've they got 54% and they control the company. End of story. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and, and Lou Grade sort of calls up a, a pal, doesn't he, and just says, can I have your shares, more or less? Yes.
2: Now, I have to say, I have not read Lou Grade's uh, autobiography, Still Dancing, My Story, by Sir oh, Lou that's Grade. that's my
0: autobiography's name. That's odd. Oh, oh very yeah, good. There you go. I think of you as the
2: uh, Lou Grade <laughs> of uh, Nothing Is Real.
0: <laughs> yes, cigar time. Go on.
2: One morning, he says... I called (laughs) Peter Donald, who by that time had acquired control of Hard and Wyndham theatres, as well as some theatres in Scotland. He controlled 14% of Northern Songs. I had a strange feeling about Alan Klein because of all these unnecessary delays. So I said, I want to buy 14%. Uh, Now, how much do you want for it? We agreed a price, did the deal. We now had over 54% and therefore controlled Northern Songs. Alan Klein called me late that afternoon and I must give him credit for what he said. He said, well, I have to admit it, you beat me to the punch. We are now ready to sell you the shares at the same price you paid Peter Donald. He said he'd been considering doing the deal with Donald himself, but obviously had left it too late. And that, my friends, is how we acquired the Beatles catalogue and got into the music business
0: it's and, and that's a story of how i'm great by lou grade um and that's it yeah so they now have 54 percent. but there's what we'll come to in a second is there's now this merry dance of what the beatles will do with the percentage that they own but again the following day we get abbey road hitting the shops you know it's still business as usual still business I, as usual it, 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 it's so it's so amusing and, um, you know, uh, Barry Miles, just to pull a quote, by the time Abbey Road was completed, Alan Klein had reduced Apple to an ordinary management office. All the fine ideals were gone, as well as most of the idealists it's still functioning though it's, it's still, still
2: s- functioning I mean yeah. it's doing it's, it's a record label it's putting out records it has a roster of artists it's got a great studio that, that will go on to be a great studio in the early yeah. 70s and you know Elton John T-Rex all the you know record there people use it to record demos yeah. you know it's not true to say it had just become the equivalent of Nams let's say uh, yeah
0: but it, I think it is fair to say there's probably roughly a one hundred percent reduction in Hell's Angels. Roughly,
2: I think a hundred percent reduction in Hell's Angels, and I think probably ninety nine point nine 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 percent reduction in the idealists. I think probably only Derek Taylor was still holding the uh, holding the line.
0: And so as Abbey Road hits the uh, hits the stores, um, you know the the the. Business papers, the music business papers, are reporting that Northern Songs has kind of fallen to ATV. They've managed to broker uh, the percentage that they need to get to the magic fifty uh, percent.
2: Yes, and as you say, the Beatles then have to decide what are they going to do? Are they going to stay with this company as minority shareholders? Um, they they won't necessarily have a representation on the board. They will get income as shareholders, but. Klein comes up with a proposal. Now, I think this is a very good deal given the circumstances that they find themselves in. So he goes back to ATV and Lou Grade and the broad lines are that ATV would buy all of the Beatles' shares in Northern Songs for a mixture of cash Mm -hmm. and shares in ATV. So the Beatles would still then have an interest and they would be... uh, All of the litigation that was ongoing against Northern Songs uh, would would finish. John and Paul would re-sign. If you remember, their publishing deal with Northern Songs ran until 1973. They would uh, re-sign and extend that out to 1976. George and Ringo would switch from their deals with Harrisongs Songs and Startling Music, which is sort of assigned to Apple Publishing, they would also sign um, yep. uh, to 1976. And if you remember, the first 56 songs were controlled by Lenmac, and that had yep. been sold into Northern Songs. The Beatles would get that back, or sorry, John and Paul would get that back, and Apple would get sub-publishing rights in the US. So it's similar... You know, this is a, this is again a deal which gives them direct income from America. Gives them a shareholding in the parent company ATV. This is a good deal.
0: Yeah. So just so ATV have just over fifty percent. Uh, the Beatles have just under thirty percent. Yeah. Do they trundle along? They could have just done nothing and kept their thirty percent and and seen what was gone. But should they transfer that thirty percent for a given percentage of ATV, um, like say twenty percent of ATV, uh, plus some cash, plus some other rights, and all the all the you know bad litigation goes away, they get some songs back, um, but they keep writing songs until nineteen seventy six. So it is a deal. You know, it's you know they could have kept their powder dry, done nothing, and tried to buy out ATV in a few years down the line, yep. and you know, and and be kind of belligerent with their third of shares, or they could hitch their wagon to the train and you know make hay for everybody. Um, so so let,
2: let's let's do that then. Let's let's let's, sign d-
0: let's s- do that. And there's absolutely nobody. There's absolutely nobody who's going to come along and and just kind of throw some kind of fuel onto the fire. Who's going to stick a Stick in the spokes of the bike of this deal.
2: Turn the page. Turn the page. Turn the Hold page. Turn the page. Aww, Lee oh, Lee God, Eastman. Lee Eastman won't let Paul sign the deal. <sighs>
0: and did he have a better deal in mind?
2: Uh, no, not that I can see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem to be, It seems to be the whole point. It's not like, well, don't sign. Actually, we could do this. It seems to be just like, no, don't sign.
2: Yeah, don't sign. And there's a very good book by Brian Sythol on on the, it's incredibly detailed. And um, you know, but if you really, really want to dig down into the 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 legal background to, to Northern Songs, this is the book. But he says simply because it was a deal negotiated by Klein, that is the reason why they wouldn't sign it. So again, it seems to come back to this personal animosity between Eastman and Klein, between the Eastman camp and the Klein camp. He did it, we're not signing it. Good deal, bad deal, don't care, we're not signing it.
0: And the kind of ramifications of this spill out to today because Paul forever has had his heart set on owning the Beatles rights, getting them back, particularly and we could do a whole episode on the afterlife of these things, but the, the big... Flag in the sand. As eventually Michael Jackson takes them over, and that's kind of a dagger to the heart of Paul. And he has spent many years in the courts trying to sort that. And this goes back to these decisions made in October nineteen sixty nine, because you know Lou Grade says you know they were crazy not to take a stake in ATV and not to have kind of a stake in the future of their own work, uh, you know, and the future yep. earning potential of their own work, and having a uh, you know a say at the table and how their own work was controlled. Um, and you know the, the the other interesting part about the deal is we're assuming Harrison and, and Ringo were ready to go along with transferring their. It seems
2: to be. seems It, yeah, se- yeah, it yeah. seems. It seems to be. Um, you know, and as you say, George had no skin in the game. You know, Ringo was going to yeah. get a, get a payout because he still had his forty thousand from the flotation. George didn't have any shares. He'd sold them. Paddy Harrison had a thousand shares, but George seems to have been, uh, uh, you know, on board, and everybody. On on the ATV side is sort of saying it was a good deal for both sides. Heads of agreement were drawn up. This is Jack Gill, the financial director. Heads of agreement were drawn up with our respective lawyers. Klein couldn't get the Eastmans and Paul to agree. John and Lee Eastman stopped the deal. Uh, They would not let Paul be a party to an agreement negotiated by Klein on behalf of all the Beatles. Klein was sorry. I was sorry because part of the deal was that we'd have got Harrison and Ringo, who at the time really didn't mean much, of course, George Harrison has since been a great success as a songwriter.
0: <laughs> but what's really crazy is what they do next, which is they almost like throw their toys out of the pram and it's like, OK, we'll sell our sh- sa- shares. We'll just yeah. get rid of them.
2: Yeah. So they basically say, OK, uh, we'll make a sim same offer, uh, just under two pounds, and we'll sell. But by this time, HEV, who don't really want to part with cash, they say, no, you're fine. We don't want your shares. We don't need your shares. But the city takeover panel, which is a sort of regulatory body that ensures all shareholders are treated equally, said, no, 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 no. You've got to propose to the Beatles and all of the other minority shareholders because there are still other people. Um, You have to make the same offer as you made to the consortium. So that is what, Happens, um, they they yeah. they make that offer,
0: and 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 they go off. They make the offer. They buy the Beatles shares, and that's kind of what happens. It's 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 all finalised by the end of the year. Essentially, that uh, they 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 go after the minority stakeholders by the end of the year. They're up to ninety six percent of shares. They've got the Beatles shares as well, and they reach ninety nine percent ownership in January nineteen seventy. But I love this notion that there's one percent of Beatles fans who can't be located. Yes, uh, yes. In order, these people we spoke about in an early episode who went off and bought their own shares, um, you know, that, that is the end result. But this doesn't really go through until October. It's October when the news breaks that this is the thing. And October is a, is a difficult month because Paul and Ringo and their respective wives are still going out socialising at the same time to go see Mary Hopkin in the Savoy. But the 22nd of October this is the date when actually it all breaks, it all goes yes. public, everything, everything uh, comes yes.
2: out. Yeah. So this goes, so ATV publicly announced that they've decided to acquire the Beatles' shares. Uh, Paul goes to Scotland. So he, he sort of disappears off, off the scene. And uh, the Paul is dead. Rumour Rumours, starts to gather, yeah. gather pace on that day. Um, but the, the, the deal goes through. And uh, they pay cash. So ATV actually pay cash for the Beatles shares, whereas they had paid in stock for the consortium shares. Um, so this was really because there was a threatened lawsuit for five million against uh, uh, northern songs um, and ATV decided, well look we'll just pay cash, we we'll get rid of all of that. And uh, Ringo gets 80,000 and uh, Paul and John get a million and a half each. It's 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 extraordinary.
0: And again, in the movie of the Beatles, you wouldn't believe that all this happens on the same day. Paul goes off to Scotland yeah. to become this different type of guy. The ATV board, you know, uh, uh, make get get this announcement. The news comes to Apple via the Financial Times, and uh, you know it's it's reported. Um, if we, if we look at the press office release, it says. Uh, On behalf of the Beatles and their company, Apple Corps, their business manager, Alan Klein of Abco Industries, after discussion with the Beatles, announced in New York today that all negotiations between the Beatles, ATV and Northern Songs have been terminated by the Beatles. All of the Beatles and their companies intend to sell all their shares in Northern Songs to ATV at a price in accordance with the terms laid down by the takeover panel. John Lennon and Paul McCartney have no intention of involving themselves in any further relationship with Northern Songs or associated television beyond the fulfilment of their songwriting contract to February 1970. 73. Um, And we know that there's ramifications to that as well when Paul brings Linda in as a songwriter to give MPL a chunk of the publishing. Yep. And, you know, famously John's last appearance is a salute to Lou Grade on American TV in 1975 uh, as a contractual obligation to Lou Grade. This is the beginning of another thing.
2: It is, and that's that's the appearance where he has his band wear a mask on the back of their head as a kind of two-face comment uh, on Lou Grade. And as you say, yes, Linda will start writing with Paul, so half of the half of the royalties for the for the Paul and Linda co writes goes uh, to Linda's publishing company and doesn't go near Lou Grade and strangely around the same time John starts writing uh, with Yoko so that half of his yeah. songwriting uh, goes to Yoko's um, uh, publisher and uh, this causes all sorts of ramifications and lawsuits and it leads to the uh, to the James Paul McCartney special
0: that is another contractual obligation to Lou Grade exactly have right Lou,
2: Lou Grade to thank for that as well.
0: And part of that contractual obligation is that he has to do a certain quotient of Beatles songs. They're the yes. first public Beatles songs that Paul performs when he's a, a solo person. So that's why he does that medley, is just to knock out a couple of Beatles songs to keep the ATV uh, consortium
2: happy. And, and I think I also worked out that the other person who got some money is Patty Harrison. I think she gets about £2,000. Not bad. Not bad.
0: Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um, and so all of that is the you know, by the last week in October 1969. So, Stephen, could I do a little synopsis at this point?
2: I, I'd be more than happy to to listen to that.
0: Uh, um, on January the 27th, 1969, Alan Klein met John and Yoko for the first time. It is now October the 22nd, 1969, just nine months later. The Beatles are at number one with Abbey Road. Apple in Savile Row has changed from the fun London townhouse that we all saw in the Get Back film to have had the bulk of its staff fired and has been reorganised into an efficient record label and publishing company. But however, the purchase of NEMS has grasped defeat from the jaws of victory. Northern Songs has gotten away from them in a series of events that still has ramifications in the courtrooms of the 21st century. And yes, a deal had been renegotiated with EMI for increased royalties, but not for any recording rights. And when signed, there was no Beatles left to record John, Paul, George and Ringo were never in the same room again. Nine months in 1969 with Alan Klein.
2: That's very impressive recap. And Thank you uh, very it, much. It, It's not dissimilar to my recap.
0: Oh, you have a recap too? I, I, uh-huh.
2: I have a recap too. Oh,
0: okay, then let's hear your recap.
2: So, following Alan Klein meeting with John and Yoko in the Dorchester at the end of January 1969... Uh, the battle for control of NEMS was lost following John Eastman's letter uh, to Clive Epstein referencing the impropriety of negotiations between NEMS and uh, the Beatles, which sent NEMS into the arms of the Triumph Investment Trust. The battle to obtain Northern Songs it were indeed a series of uh, misadventures, the first being Paul's refusal to put up the shares to guarantee the loan uh, necessary to complete the deal, the request by Lee Eastman for weighted voting rights on the Northern Songs board, and the fact that Paul and the Eastmans would not sign the ATV deal, which would have given uh, the Beatles shares in ATV, the return of the first 56 songs uh, to Lenmac. And Klein finally got his contract after working for three months uh, without any official Documentation. So, not a dissimilar recap, I think. But what do you think, everybody? Look, <laughs> there is
0: still an afterlife. Alan Klein doesn't exit the picture at this point. There is further tales of Alan Klein and the Beatles to be told. But this is the end, you could say, of Alan Klein with the Beatles as a unit who are a functioning group of people actively recording and releasing records. It transitions into something else uh, towards the end of 1969. That's a reasonable thing to say, isn't it?
2: I think so. And uh, I, I'd also, in much the same way that Paul disappeared to Scotland, I'd like to announce that I'm, I'm taking a short break from social media um, as a result of this episode and recap.
0: <laughs> yeah, you might want to hand over the reins of Facebook to somebody else with your staunch defence of Alan Klein right there. Just for the record, Stephen thinks Alan's great. No, <laughs> um, uh, But what do you think, everybody? Uh, It's an extraordinary story. It reinforces how much can happen in such a short period of time in in the universe of the Beatles. And uh, we're always happy to discuss it in all the usual places. We're available on Twitter at BeatlesPod.com. The Nothing Is Real Facebook group run by Stephen. Uh, www.NothingIsRealPod.com is the website. And we have bonus episodes uh, to go with these ones on Acast+. And we want to thank all our Acast Plus supporters um, for supporting us along the way. Want to check out some of the things that we have in store there. Uh, but for now, my name is Jason Carty.
2: My name is Stephen Cockcroft.
0: And this has been Nothing Is Real. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Nothing Is Real. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, why not become a member? You'll get access to ad-free content, bonus episodes, and so much more. Follow the link in the
1: show notes, sign up on ACAST Plus, or visit our website, nothingisrealpod.com.